Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, good morning, Salem Heights. You guys doing well? It seems super energized in here. Uh, this morning, I hope it's not the topic. Uh, we, uh, we've been in the middle of a series, and I hope that you were just blessed by that time in worship. I've just, uh, yeah, I was thinking through that last song. Um, the point of that last song has actually been the point of our series, and that is that Christ is our living hope, Right? Our spouse isn't our living hope. Uh, our ingenuity isn't our living hope. Uh, our industry, it's not our living hope. Christ is our living hope. Now, we've been in a series on marriage, and uh, Pete and I decided that uh, what we would do today is either confuse you or have a family chat. That's what we're trying to do. But our intention is for both of us to, to be up here and just kind of walk through some of the loose ends um, that remain in this topic. We can't cover all of the other details, uh, but we do want to um, create uh, an atmosphere where if you think you need to work through more of these things, we're going to give you some tools today where you can work through uh, those details, where you can work on your marriage and your own personal life, uh, and you can have help in that. So that's what we want you to be able to hear. But uh, we've gone through a series, and we're going to unpack just some of the things that we've already covered, and then we're going to look at one specific detail this morning in Scripture and uh, come away with some of those tools. But my concern this morning, and Pete's as well as we were talking about this, was that, that you could be here throughout this entire series, and you might still be saying, look, I've sat through all of this marriage stuff, and I'm still having a hard time. Now, don't raise your hand if that's you, okay? But just think in your own life, is that possible that that's there? So somebody actually uh, gave me this, uh, a little email, and it comically uh, supports that same theory. Uh, it was actually a young woman who submitted to tech support this email. It said, uh, dear tech support, last year I upgraded from boyfriend 5.0 to husband 1.0. And I noticed a distinct slowdown in overall system performance, <laughs> particularly in the Flower and Julia applications, which opened flawlessly under Boyfriend 5.0. In addition, Husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs, such as Romance 9.5, Personal Attention 6.5, and then installed undesirable programs like MBA 5.0, NFL 3.0, and Golf Clubs 4.1. Conversation 8.0 no longer runs. House cleaning 2.6 crashes the system. Please note, I have tried running nagging 5.3 to fix these problem, problems, but to no avail. Signed, desperate. Uh, the response that came weeks later out of the blue was this. Dear desperate, first, keep in mind, boyfriend 5.0 is an entertainment package. Husband 1.0 is an operating system. <laughs> they gave a few other helpful thoughts. Uh, um, please uh, search I Thought You Loved Me at Hotmail.com and try to download two, <laughs> Tears 
don't forget to install Guilt 3.0 update. If that works as designed, Husband 1.0 will automatically run the application's jewelry and flowers. They have a lot of other advice there, but this is the most helpful part, I thought. Whatever you do, do not, under any circumstances, install Mother-in-Law 1.0. It runs a virus in the background that will eventually (laughs) seize control of all of your systems. (laughs) Sorry, Pete. Amen. <laughs> we'll try to find scripture to support that if you, uh, if you need help, and uh, we'll provide that for you. Why is that even remotely comedic? We can relate. We can relate to having troubles in our relationships. And even though we know all the tools, we know all the things, what we run into is uh, there is a disparity between what we hoped would be true and what we are realizing. Uh, Now, the place where this meets every single person in the room, because not everybody in here is married. In fact, there's a good portion of folks that are single or used to be married, looking to be married. And you're working through, how does this apply to me? These truths that we're talking through are not just for marriage, they're highlighted in marriage, but the emphasis that's found in Scripture is useful for every single relationship. But also, if you intend to be married, you do have to have some things right in order to be the kind of person that can handle marriage in a way that won't destroy you and the person that you love. Those truths are found in Scripture. So we're going to talk a little bit about those things this morning. And... um, What I wanted Pete to be able to do is just to help us walk through um, a couple of the things that we've already shared, some things that we, uh, here, I'm off on the angle here. You're good. I want to be able to see you. I've only got one good eye, and i got to use it to see him. (laughs) If uh, welcome. Yeah. If we were going to just unpack for the folks this morning before we went to the Scripture what it is that we were hoping through this series that they've already caught from Lee Lewis until today. What are some of the things that we have covered? Yeah, I think it starts with the title of the series, um, A Marriage That Works. We in- intentionally picked that because of the double meaning that it has, mm-hmm. um, that marriage takes work, um, but that if we'll work at it and we'll follow God's blueprint as he designed it, it can work and not just be something that we, we endure, but something that we actually come to love. Yeah. And so... From the very get-go, our, our desire has been in a, in a relationship series to try to speak to the fact that as much as we want to focus our attention on the person outside of us, the other person in the relationship, whether that be a spouse, a friend, a family member, really where we need to start, the focus needs to be on ourselves yeah. and that relationship with the Lord. And, and, and Lee did a great job of just reminding us of something that we had taught here before, but just the importance of the vertical relationship. And Lee told us that God has created each one of us with the capacity. So it means the, compa- the maximum capacity of one vertical relationship, and it's meant to be God. And that's what we should be focusing on more than our spouse, more than our kids, more than anything else, that relationship with God needs to be the primary relationship. And if we get that right, things just seem to start to work because the Spirit of God is flowing through us and empowering us to actually fulfill the design that He created relationships to function under. But if that becomes fractured, those relationships are going to break down. 
And so we've been encouraging you to try to take your eyes off your spouse and off the struggles and all the circumstances um, and focus them on Christ. And what we've also tried to highlight for you is that we understand that some of you, even right now in this room, some of you are in relationships that are very hard. In fact, some of you right now could be experiencing some form of abuse or neglect. And while we've said that these principles to die to self and to live for Christ and to put each other first and to serve and to not look to be served, that does not mean that God desires for us to be stuck in a relationship where we're receiving that, but whether we are being in a neglecting relationship or we are just in a relationship that's broken, submission to God and keeping our eyes fixed on Him actually will equip us to be able to endure hardship, to act godly. And what scripture promises us is that a life submitted to him and a spirit-led person, God can do something through that that is supernatural. He can take brokenness and restore it back to full health. And so what it's going to require from us is to, again, look inward first before we look outward. To go to the Lord and say, God, would you help me inspect my heart? Would you help me to look at the expectations I put on my spouse or on other people? To realize that if I want harmony in relationships, I want a marriage that works, I want relationships that work, that 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 harmony is going to require humility in me first. And there's a couple of ways that we talked about how humility can be accomplished. One is proactive and one is reactive. For a believer, for those of us in here this morning that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the proactive step to humility is to say me first. Not in a selfish way, like let me be first, let my wants and desires for this relationship be the priority, but let me be the first one to die to self. Let me be the first one to sacrifice. Let me be the first one to give. Let me be the first one to trust the Lord with my happiness and with my contentment. That's a proactive step that can help us even avoid some of the pitfalls that we'll find in relationships. Because remember, every relationship, whether it's a marriage one or outside of marriage, friendships, family, all all require at least two sinful people, flawed people. But the reactive way to be humble is that if you get in a situation which inevitably will happen in a relationship and in a marriage where conflict does exist, we talked about the, that the reactive steps to humility start with an upward focus, going to the Lord, asking for his help, then asking him to deal with what's going on in my heart and allowing that work in me to flow outward towards the other person. And so we... We've really tried to be that. A marriage does require work, but if we will do the work with the Spirit of God's help, a marriage can work. So if we go back up to the, the top of that, um, you say we only have room for one vertical relationship. What, do you feel that that would be accurate to say we, we only have, we were designed to have one thing that we worship or one object of our worship? Right. That was Christ. Yeah. Because I think some of the confusion we have is, well, there's a lot of other things. I don't know about any other vertical relationship, but if we put worship in there, you may worship love or success or your spouse unintentionally. That means you, you focus on them, they drive your actions, you sacrifice on their behalf. But that was actually Christ that needs to be in that spot. If you get that right, he'll give you wisdom for yeah. those other things. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned something that can be a trigger in the room. Uh, what if I'm in an abusive relationship? Yeah. Can you just take a moment really quick and just say, what tools do we have for those? Because right now, if that's true for you, it may be possible. 
that right now you actually can't hear the rest of this message. If, if you are in a relationship that's abusive or you know somebody that you love that's in an abusive relationship, just those words will grab a hold of you and you're going to say, I'm not sure that I can move forward with listening to anything else. That's going to captivate my morning. Yeah. What would you have them do? Well, the first thing I want you to know is if that's you, you are in the right church to help you. This is a safe place. We don't say that to be to trigger anyone. Yeah. We don't say it to be flippant. We say it to acknowledge the reality of it so that we can bring it into the light. But the reality is, is that we might not know what we're really in. Yeah. That word, those words are thrown around in so many different ways. It's, it's confuses. I think it's actually a spiritual tactic to try to distort us from what is true and what's not true. And so if you are hurting, if you're confused, if you are actually in that in, in an undeniable way, yeah. um, we've got definitely resources to help you. One of the things that uh, our biblical counseling ministry is passionate about is to helping people figure out what is, what is it that they're walking through and what would God say would be a biblical response to that? How we can come alongside and, and for the safety of people who are in those relationships, yeah. how can they safely get protection if they're not being protected? How can they navigate those waters in a biblical way? Because one of the things that oftentimes traps Christians yeah. is the two wrong ideas. One is that if I find myself in a relationship like that, it's because of my fault, my sin, and this is just God's punishment towards me. That's not what the Bible says. Yeah. And the second thing is, well, God values commitment more than anything else. And so I've just got to be faithful to that. Yeah. You can be faithful and still not be allowing yourself to receive that. And so we, we believe the scriptures give us a clear blueprint for how to respond, how to pray for those who might be inflicting that harm to us. Yeah. And we offer services both in biblical counseling, the most excellent way, in our pastoral team for both those who are, if God is pointing at you this morning going, I am, as I've been thinking about this whole series, I'm actually causing the issues. I am, I I have lost control. I do not know why I do this, but I am bullying. I am hurting. I am manipulating. I am guilting my spouse. I need help. And that would only be the spirit of God that could break through that. Yeah. Don't, don't harden your heart towards that. Come and say, I'll help. And we will, without judgment, bring you in. We will try to help you. If you are in the, on the recipient end of that, having the courage and the bravery to come, know that we're not going to be shocked by anything you would share with us. We're not going to be offended. We're not going to try to sweep you out of our church because we don't want that here. We are a church full of broken, sinful people who all need Jesus' saving grace. Amen? Yeah. And so we want to be there for you. And we understand it's very, very hard and very, very scary to admit that or to ask for help, and perhaps you've tried before and you have been hurt in actually reaching out for help, our commitment to you, and we're flawed, so we might not get this right 100% of the time, but we will do our best to be a safe place and offer you biblical help. Key thing, the only answer is not to stay stuck and like it. Amen. The answer is we want to get you out and safe if you're in that scenario. At the bottom of uh, your notes, if you see these, uh, there's a little QR code. And if you say, man, I, I don't want anybody to see this, but you can do it through your phone. Just hit that QR code. It'll take you straight to the counseling page. Yep. They'll sign you up. They'll get you safe. Uh, if you need to get to a safe place, they'll help you find the resources and the ability to do that. If you just need help to be able to address that in your home, they'll help you as well. Yeah.
So um, those are the highlights for that. But we have a passage this morning that we think will help us kind of tie some of these loose ends together. Because I've been doing this marriage thing for a, a few weeks, been at the conference. It didn't fix everything. Why? What is the problem? I think Scripture addresses that in the book of Genesis. So, If you have your Bibles, would you open them to Genesis chapter 3? And we're going to read verses actually 14 through 19 this morning. And we know that as you're turning there, this is a portion of Scripture that man and woman, the original created humans on the planet, have sinned. And they have disobeyed God. And now God is going to be beginning to tell them what that action has caused And it says this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal, and you will move on your belly, and it will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. And he said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you, and you will eat from by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return." to dust. So this verse here kind of outlines the, the consequences of those first, that first sinful choice, that disobedience towards God. But in verse 16, there's a specific statement as he's talking to Eve that kind of implies an impact to not just her, but to the marriage relationship. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, we can't unpack all of the fall here, but um, you'll notice this happens in the first few pages of your Bible, and then the rest of this happens, okay? All the rest of this is dealing with these yeah. verses, okay? How to put that right. So I could unpack that for you, but we'd be here a while. Um, but let me just highlight a, a couple of, of things that are indicated in here that are relevant to this morning, and then we'll target verse uh, 16. The relevant parts... Three different things. He speaks to the serpent, Satan, the one who is uh, the, the lead dog here trying to kill off humanity. And he says that there will be a battle in the spiritual realm. The serpent is going to ultimately run into the Messiah uh, and there will be consequences. Then he says to the woman that there'll be a battle in the home. So battle in the spiritual realm, Satan to the woman, there'll be a battle in your home. And then finally, to the man, there'll be a battle in your daily life. The hardship for the certain serpent, you're going to eat dust. The pattern is you're going to constantly try to thwart God's plan. You're even going to try to bite the Messiah on the heel, trying to take his life. But he's going to crush you. The result is you'll be crushed. You go back to dust. Battle in the home, the hardship is... Childbirth is going to be multiplied, and there's great evidence that of all of the creatures on earth, childbirth for humanity is the most painful. Um, That's the pattern um, then that will come out of that is that you'll have a desire. We'll talk about that and that he will um, rule over you. There will be actually something that enters into the home that will thwart God's plan for the home. And then... The battle in daily life, the hardship is, it's going to be 
um, increasingly um, tougher to make a living. Everything that you do will be thwarted by the world around us. He says, as you plant a field, thorns and thistles will grow up to try to pull that apart. The pattern is that the world is going to try to undo God's plan. And the result is there's a return to the dust. But verse 16. Yeah, so this morning, our first point is that marriage highlights the effect of the fall. Yeah. So we want to focus on that second part yep. here, the home. That's so, critical. So help us understand what he's trying to say to Eve when he talks about this desire and this rule. Yeah, so notice in your Bibles there, in verse 16, it says to the woman, I'll intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. There's two words there that are really important for this morning, desire and rule. Um, desire, it's translated a couple of other times. It only shows up three times in that form in all the rest of Scripture. Uh, the very next time it shows up is in chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, you can note that uh, Cain and Abel are brothers. Uh, Cain, Abel is still alive. Cain has not been pleasing the Lord. There's a battle that's about to happen, and God is speaking to Cain. In verse 7, it says, If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, and, and listen to this phrasing, sin is crouching at the door, its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Same phrasing that's used here in this relationship. So sin crouching at the door, desiring Cain, what is it desiring? It's desiring to have him and to control him. It's the same idea that's right here in this passage. It says that as a part of the fall, uh, wives, your desire is going to be for a husband and your desire is going to be to control him. I'll just say law for a moment, okay? <laughs> Now we're already starting to step into, is this culturally relevant? You know, the Bible says all of these hard things. This is a very real situation. Mm -hmm. Scripture says as part of the fall, you're going to desire that relationship and you're going to desire to control him. And the implication here, uh, sin doesn't go and just uh, powerfully through physicality browbeat. It's through manipulation through desire. So let's just pause and think about that. Is there any possibility in your homes, wives, is there any tools that you have that might manipulate your husband through desire, and he, in hoping for those things, is being asked to do certain things? Just pause. Consider for a moment, write down any thoughts you might have. The result of that is to rule. Um, his reaction is not going to be positive to being controlled or manipulated. His reaction is going to be to, through a, a desire to dominate or react to those things, try to get out from underneath that rule, or to try to um, put you in your place. And so here's a dynamic in the home of manipulation and desire for control and of brute force and a reaction to that control. It's interesting, that word uh, that is used for he will rule over you is not the same one that's used uh, kindly of man ruling over the earth where uh, he causes it to flower and bring forth vegetation, where he gardens it and takes care of it. It's a word that's basically used in other places as he'll become an enigma. The more you try to control him, the more of a mystery he's going to be to you. He's going to be an enigma and he's going to be a force that's an irritation in your home. Now, this isn't a one-way street. This is a two-way street. Men, 
When you become an enigma to your wife, when you become a forceful irritation in your home, you turn on that desire in her to control. Mm. It's a safety mechanism that is entered into as a result of the fall. We trigger this in each other. This is not the woman's fault. It is not the man's fault. It is both of our bent. Control, power, abuse, we bring it into our home. But what we're trying to do is to get our way. That's the bottom line. It's interesting here in the first one and in the second one there is dust at the very end. This is how it all ends. The most intriguing part about this uh, part of the equation is it doesn't give you a conclusion. It just says this is going to be in your home. Now what are you going to do? This is your bent. And so uh, I I would suggest that there's a couple of, of things that we have to do to be able to get away from that. But the implication is right in the passage. And I think the first thing is we've got to be able to look at the source, stop that, and then repent. So what you're saying then, if I hear you rightly, is that because of sin that exists in a marriage, yeah. we have these propensities inside of us as men and women to try to use the other person to get what we want. Yes. So... That's why we kind of we keep hitting these walls, right? Where we, we can yeah. listen to this whole series and we can hear about the truthfulness of sin in our own lives, sin in our spouse, the brokenness of sin, the impact even here. We can see this and go, okay, I understand. Yeah. God's clearly highlighting why marriage takes work. And I want to do it. I believe God's word. And I'm trying my best to apply it, but yet I still find myself struggling. Yeah, I think uh, the question might have been asked in the last four weeks in some homes. Well, why are you being so nice all of a sudden? Well, we're doing this series on Sundays, right? Well, are you being so nice because you're trying to get your way? Do you know it's possible to do good things for the wrong reason? Is that possible? Yeah. We can do good things because we want to get something in return. Mm But if we're not going to worship, if we worship Christ, by the way, you're going to be nice to the people around you. You're going to stop controlling. You're going to stop being a brute. You're going to stop with some of the things that would harm your home because of your worship of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, uh, not manufactured kindness, but actual kindness that comes from the Spirit of God will transform your home. But it comes from that worship. And so one of the things that we've talked about as we've had interactions with many of you since we started this series outside of Sundays, just talking about marriage, what God's been teaching you, what he's been impressing on your hearts, what he's been trying to raise to the surface, is that there's a potential to get a little bit discouraged after a series like this. Because we live in in a society that tries to give us everything we want instantaneously, Right? We want to turn on when, when your Wi-Fi starts to go slow or your data doesn't work very fast, how patient are you? Right. When you go to a drive-thru and you're waiting behind that person for your iced coffee, how patient are you when you see them having, you know, waiting there and handing multiple things out? We, we are not very patient people. And so I think what it is, is like, okay, pastors, we hear you, we believe God's word, we trust that it's true, we've been trying the last four or five weeks to apply it, but it's not going as quickly as I want, 
In fact, maybe I'm feeling like it's having to break me down even more before I get healthy. So the second thing we wanted to do is not just highlight the fact that we shouldn't be surprised by this dynamic, but we need to know that God has prepared us and that there's actually hope for us to overcome the effects of sin on marriage. Do you believe there's hope for your marriage? Not, that was a confident murmur. That's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should just camp there for a moment, Pete. Uh, if we were going to say this is how we get hope, what is it? Our, our point in your notes says this, hope in your marriage will never be found in yourself or your spouse, but yeah. in the Lord. I was uh, talking with Justin, thinking about this point as we were discussing it, and uh, I was reminded of my family, and one of the joys of the life stage that I'm in is that my kids are all middle school and high school, pretty, have become pretty self-sufficient. It's a joy for all the, the parents in the room that are still having to get up in the morning and put the Cheerios yeah. out and turn on the television. There's, there's hope after that. <laughs> Uh, but my kids began starting to cook, you know, and it started with just them being able to pour their own cereal and then it started to make toast. But now they're getting into making more things, which I'm thankful for as a dad. Uh, but there have been times where, you know, I'm in the kitchen or I'm in the room and they're starting to prepare their food and, and I'm watching, but I'm not interacting. And this is normal for any family. I'm sure that all parents can relate to this. Is this, you start to watch them, and like, again, I'm, I'm their dad. I, I have provided a home. I provided the, the food. Everything they need to make this delicious meal has been provided for them, and now they've been given access and permission to do it on their own. Yeah. But as they start to make it, I start to notice that maybe some of the ways they're approaching this is a little clunky. It's going to lead to maybe it not being great. And then I start to sense in them at times some frustration, when, when the eggs don't, they're sticking to the pan or it's not working the way they're supposed to. And I'll offer help. Hey, do you need any help? No, I got this. I got this. I know, I know what I'm doing. And then I see the frustration build. And it's like, oh, these are ruined. And I'm like, no, no, they're not ruined. There's actually good here. That's, can I help you? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I would do this. And well, that's what I was doing. I was already doing that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, can I just show you what I would do? Fine. And look, and it, these are salvageable. And can you eat these? Yes. And I was just remembering, like, God, he, here he is. He's, he, for, he's given us life, and he's, and he's provided for our needs, and he puts us in these situations relational, whether it be married or not married. And he's given you everything you need to enjoy it. And he's saying, here, I'm going to let you do this. But we often forget that he is right there. There is a third person um, in a godly marriage. Yeah. The Lord And he's provided everything, but he has not intended for us to try to do marriage on our own apart from him. And he wants to speak into our marriage through his word, and his Holy Spirit wants to to highlight things so that we can actually get it right. And just like cooking, marriage and everything that goes into marriage is a little bit awkward, a little bit clunky, and we don't always get it right at first. And instead of getting frustrated and saying, I'm just never going to do this again, I'm never going to eat this again, or I'm just going to forget about this, if we'll invite him in, he will actually show us how this was designed to work. Mm-hmm. And we'll be able to enjoy it. Not just that one time, but then the next time and the next time as that relationship grows, yeah. it'll, it will just begin to enjoy it and flourish more and more. And I'm reminded of what Jesus told his disciples just before he was going to return to heaven. He makes a promise that he is going to be with them wherever they go. 
We know in Acts, he sends his Holy Spirit. And for those who have a relationship with Christ, the Spirit of God is with us wherever we go. We're never left to our own reliance or our own systems or our own righteousness to try to make our marriage better. He is saying, I am here. My presence is with you always. Will you allow me to to speak into your marriage, speak into your heart? Will you allow me to change your desires? Will you allow me to give you insights to your spouse that you don't even see? Will you allow me to help you in this? And if we'll do that, uh, the promises of Scripture um, are pretty amazing that there is fullness of joy Mm -hmm. when we just abide in His presence. Yeah. And uh, just to help the audience, uh, um, how long do you microwave eggs and tuna fish before they're, before they're done? I already have to pay my kids for using them okay. as, a, as an illustration this morning in some way. Good. But, yeah. Yeah, that's a Don't good Don't microwave tuna. Okay. Thank you. Ever. Yeah, there may be times where God steps in and says, stop it. Yes. Let's start over. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Um. If we were going to, so we've hit some of the highlights, we see the problem that's in Scripture, and uh, this is what I want you to feel in the room also. Sometimes when we read Scripture, we can feel the rub because God's ways are not our ways, and he says things directly, and it can be a little bit offensive. Uh, Before you write the email to Pete, irritated about this morning, (laughs) I want you to, uh, he reads email, I don't. I want you to just chew on this one, one thought. If there's any part of this that is an irritation, I, I want you to go actually and spend a little time in the Word and then just pray and say, Lord God, is there something you're trying to do in me? Yeah. Not irritation at your spouse. In some situations, you may just need help. But between you and the Lord. And I'm actually going to ask you to consider this morning something that I, I challenged the senior saints with. I've challenged a few good friends with. And that's this. If you really have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the test for me is, when was the last time that you repented to Jesus for something that you did? Do you love Christ? When did you repent to him? You should be able to tell me, this is what I repented of. Do you love your spouse? When is the last time that you went to your spouse without them having to tell you right now is the time. When's the last time you went to them and repented? Mm-hmm. Now, just real quickly, show of hands, who here has never needed to repent to their spouse for anything <laughs> they've ever done? We, uh, we need to be thoughtful about this. This is a challenge I have for you, but you're only going to repent in the right way to them if you are first right with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so... The challenge at the end of this service, what I'm going to ask you to consider, and and you may come up for all reasons, but I want you to think about today, if if you need help to repair that relationship with your spouse and you know it starts with you, we'll not only pray with you, but we'll help you get some tools to be able to make that happen. Once again, at the bottom of your notes there, uh, if you see them out there, it says help at the end. And we just put a little QR code there. If you don't know how to run that on your phone, just that's my, I, I don't either. Uh, you, can, uh, you can call into the church and do that. They'll keep that, that anonymous. We have a wonderful counseling team that can take that. Uh, you can send an email to info at salemheightschurch.org. You can just say, hey, how do I get that information? We'll find a way to do that. Um, but 
but don't leave today without knowing that we want to help you walk through that next step, even as we wrap this series up. I think there's some other ways that we can receive help for our marriage as well. Yeah. And counseling is, is great. Um, believe in it. I, I've get to, got to work closely with that ministry and see the, the help it's offered many, many people. Um, but I was actually, I, I got a resource in the mail several months ago from uh, an education foundation here in the state of Oregon, um, non-religious, um, but it just was giving statistics on marriages in Oregon. And it was interesting, in this little pamphlet on the backside, it talked yeah. about marriages and the impact of the faith community. Mm-hmm. And it talked about how secular research has shown that marriages that are involved in local churches have happier, more successful marriages. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And why is that? Well, they started to list out all the different reasons. It's not just the counseling. That was one of the things there. But it talked about the community that people find within a local church. See, there is so much help that can be offered in the one another care that God has called us all to be about as believers. And I can just speak from personal experience, having been in this church when I got married and then grew up in this church before we had kids and as we now are as a family, there is life and love and comfort and counsel that is found in just being part of a smaller group of believers, whether that's a growth group, uh, a men's or women's growth group, whether it's a small group, one of our Oikos groups. Um, just being able to go in there and talk through, like, this is what we're dealing with. And then hear other believers talk about that from their point of view. Yeah. And go, that's true for us too. And then to get around God's word and encourage each other and admonish each other and pray for each other, there is great help there. But oftentimes, when things are going rough in our lives, our temptation is to, to pull away and to isolate, to either hide a sin issue or it's out of embarrassment or guilt saying, I, if they only knew, then they probably wouldn't invite me into their community. And, and again, that's not what I believe Super is good. happening in our growth groups. And I don't, we're not wanting that to be a, for our church. Our church is about sinners coming together under the grace of God saying, let's encourage each other from the scriptures. And so I want to encourage you, if, yeah. if you're single, married, divorced, widow, whatever life stage you find yourself in, there is great support for relationships in the community of faith, in, a, in the church. And not just attending on Sundays, but this is great. And we have a kind of a, we're known for our fellowship before and after services, which yeah. is great. But there is something that God has called us to, to get a little bit smaller, to know others and to be known. And there's great support that can be offered to your marriage by being a part of a group with other people. Yeah, and then the final thing, if, if you can't stand people and you just don't want to go to a counselor... Uh, we do have some awesome books, all right? Uh, we're not going to let you get out without something. Uh, we got lots of resources. Uh, we even have picture books for those of you who can't fully engage with a long train of thought, okay? And we can Instagram some of it to you if you want. Uh, we'll find a way to help. Don't leave without a resource if you need it. Let me ask you one question as yeah. we wrap up this morning, because I, I think um, you know, the, mo- the purpose of this morning has been to kind of bring this series yeah. to a close, and yet what we're also trying to communicate is that this, this topic, this part of the process is ongoing. This yeah. isn't just the end of talking about marriage, seeking help for marriage, but you and I were talking just about 
sometimes we want to go into a problem and we want to take a hammer to it yeah. and try to fix it that way. But what, what counsel would you give as we wrap up just to just the approach? How to, how to approach a marriage right now that seems volatile or seems hopeless? Yeah, I think what we were talking about was uh, changing an oil filter on a car. Yeah, I had a buddy that when I was a kid had changed his own oil filter, which, I mean, good on him. He did a great job. He put that thing on there, but he tried to go too quickly. He was in a hurry. And so he had cross-threaded it. So this is going to be for those of you that care about mechanicking at all. That's not a word, mechanicking. Uh, <laughs> But you care about that at all. You, you get the threads just off, and you might do this when you're tris, twisting the cap on a water bottle or anything else. You get cross-threaded, and you just force it. Uh, well, when you've got metal threads there, that can throw that off. And he just had, had found it was a little bit hard. And so in his dad's uh, shop, he found a ball-peen hammer, and he just tapped it the rest of the way on. I'm like, that's amazing. That's, that seems like a really effective thing that you did there. But there's a lot of oil underneath your car. <laughs> What is going on here? And if you know anything about an oil filter, there's a, a, a little part of the engine there. It cleans the oil, but it's, uh, the, if you let all of the oil out of your engine, there's a lot of other systems that fail. So even though it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, it's filtering, and if that all drops out the bottom, things are ruined. In your marriage, there is this reality. You can try to force it and go too quickly. You get cross-threaded and you try to force your way you're going to do something that every time that you go back needing that marriage to be a place of solace, needing that place to be a comfort, you come home and you need this place to be a sanctuary. But because you tried to force it, uh, you've left it in a place where, where it's just leaking. All these other systems are beginning to fail because you tried to force this one area. There's two things that you can do. One in the future, you may have to address those tough things when it's time for an oil change, when it's time for you to do some maintenance in your marriage. You have to address it very carefully and slowly to make sure that you don't reinforce those messed up threads. But most often what you have to do, you got to go back to a master mechanic and have them rethread that. What scripture indicates, this is what the word of God says, that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you focus on his ways and not yours. Yeah. But you got to take it back to the master mechanic. The reason that you forced it, the reason you got cross-threaded, the reason that stuff is leaking in your life is that you thought this was ridiculous and, and uh, not quick enough. And God says, you come back, bring it back to me. I'll help you get it set so that everything else is filtered right. There's no leaks and it runs smoothly. But trust me. So that's what I would encourage you. Christ has a plan. And if you can't, through your own walk with Christ, discern it, we'll help you discern it. Yeah. Pete, would you pray for us? I would love to. Let's pray. Yeah. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity this morning just to kind of talk and wrap up this series on marriage, God. I'm thankful for the way that you've used these, these talks each week, these messages from your word to, to challenge and to provide hope. God, I pray for our church that you would continue to use us in a way that um, allows us to be the person uh, who can bring life and healing and change to the relationships we're in. But God, if there are some of us this morning who you need to do work in first, God, I pray that we would submit that. We would, we would surrender that part of our lives to you. And we wouldn't hold on to what we want, but we would let you do what you can do in our lives, God. Yeah. 
We love you. We thank you. We pray that you would continue to protect and build the marriages here in our church. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.